Well, it seems an odd time to talk about joy. For as you know, on the global scene, we continue to stand horrified at the images that constantly stream before our eyes. The stories of loss that pile up like the bodies, one on top of another. The hatred that is brewing, that is being stirred up around the world, the the cycles of violence that only seem to deepen with intensity. And now, at such a time as this, we have the audacity to say, Jubilate, rejoice. My friends, there is a time to mourn and there is a time to rejoice. Surely now is time for the former, not the latter. And even when we take our eyes off the global scene and move closer to home, closer to the familiar rhythms of carpools and workloads and homework and family affairs, if we're honest with one another, these everyday experiences of ours are marked more by a heavy fog of anxiety than they are a breath of fresh joy. Anxiety rules the world we live in. It is, it's the air we breathe. We are a people anxious of so many things. Anxious of losing control. Nervous that our circumstances won't play out like we hope. Worried for our loved ones. that Something bad might happen to them. Anxious about not having enough. Enough time, enough money, enough to bring to a relationship. And so, like a frenzied and frustrated Martha, spinning in her kitchen, trying her best to prepare a meal for Jesus, we too are anxious about so many things. But remember what Jesus tells her. Only one thing is needed, and that is to sit at the feet of Jesus. To operate from a place of rest, a place of peace and joy, Because you know the Lord is with you. Into our anxious world, as all of us are trapped in an upper room of sorts, fearful of our lives, fearful of what's next, Jesus comes into this space and speaks peace. Peace be with you. There is another way to live. And into our world of war and conflict, of hatred and disease, yes, as he did at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, Jesus comes to us in tears. Indeed, it is a time to mourn. And yet at the same time, he turns to us with another quite unexpected invitation. Jubilate. Rejoice. There is another way to live. You see, learning to find joy is not a recipe for avoiding pain. No, joy is what enables us to navigate the uncertainties of life with a sense of peace, a sense of belonging and contentment, even in the midst of suffering. It is God's invitation to discover another way to live, another way to be human. Jubilate, rejoice. And I can't think of a better guide to lead us over the next four weeks on this journey to joy than the Apostle Paul and his letter to to the first church ever established in European soil, the church in Philippi. For this is a book that overflows with joy. 
If you've ever spent any time with this four-chapter epistle, then you already know what I'm talking about. Because this letter pulsates with the joy that Paul has in Christ and with the strong affection he shares with the Philippians. Even, and here's why this book will be so helpful to us, even while Paul is in prison and faces the prospect of death. Even as Paul has every reason to be anxious as he suffers like we do in a world that goes not well, Paul is still able to exude joy. He is one who practices what he preaches. For at the end of his letter, we even hear him forwarding on God's jubilate invitation to the Philippians, telling them, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. How can he say this? How can he have the audacity to say such a thing at a time like this? Well, the answer is found in those words we heard read a moment ago from the first chapter of Philippians. That famous declaration that sounds so good in our ears and yet, oh, how often it eludes us. To me, Paul writes, living is Christ. Or as other translations put it, to live is Christ. What a powerful line. I mean, this, this is, when you think about it, this is Paul getting personal with us for a moment. To me, he says, to me, living is Christ. Also, in the original Greek, there isn't a verb in that next phrase. It simply says living and then Christ. Almost like the two ideas are equated, right? Living equals Christ. Living means Christ. Life is summed up with Christ. In other words, the foundation, the center, the purpose and direction of Paul's life is found in Jesus. It is the air that he breathes instead of anxiety, right? It reminds me of another statement that he makes about himself back in Galatians 2. You've likely heard it before. This is where Paul says, It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. This is life at the feet of Jesus. This is life with an ever-growing awareness of God's presence in your life, God's love in your life. It is life with a deep assurance that God is with me, will take care of me, so that even when I imagine the worst possible scenario, death itself, even then, dying is gain. This personal manifesto is actually Paul's secret to joy and contentment. This is what he says later in Philippians 4. He says, I have learned the secret of being content with whatever happens to me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's his secret. You see, Paul's life is so rooted in the life of Christ. It is so lived at his feet that for Paul, there's nothing to fear. So, jubilate. There is joy to be had in whatever comes our way. And this, my friends, is meant to be true for us as well. We, too, can rejoice no matter the time of year, no matter what's on the news, no matter what's going on in the world or even in our lives, because even in hard times, even as we face the unknown, even when disappointment strikes, Christ is always making himself available to us. If only we would learn to recognize him. If only we would learn to recognize him.
This is one of the keys to the Christian life, isn't it? Learning to recognize, to see Christ in all things. And yet, how often we live our lives like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, shaken and disturbed by whatever has just happened, running away from this crisis or that crisis, feeling as if our hope is gone for good, so that when we're asked what's wrong, we're so confused. What do you mean, what's wrong? Are you serious? Are you the only one that doesn't know what's going on in my life? We, we thought God was going to rescue us, but look, it's still all a mess. We're still in pain. For they, they have crucified our hopes and our dreams, and all that remains for me is fear and anxiety. And yet, even while we're saying and feeling these things, irony of all ironies, as with the two disciples that day, Jesus is standing before our very eyes, and we don't even recognize him. We don't even see the Christ who is walking with us, the Christ who is speaking to us. If only we would learn to recognize him. This, by the way, is why we gather each week around word and sacrament, to train our eyes and our ears to see and to hear the Christ who is present in each and every moment of our lives. This is what Paul is talking about when he says, to me, living is Christ. I wonder, what would you say then about your life? Paul says, to me, living is Christ, but what about you? How would you put it? To me, living is what? Fill in the blank. In other words, when you go through your day by day, what are you recognizing? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What is driving your decisions? What are you straining for or working toward? To me, someone might say, living is success. It's, a, it's accomplishments. It's getting things done. <laughs> to another, living is accumulation. It's having the right stuff. Living is uh, everyone liking me. Or maybe life is the pursuit of happiness for me and for my family. What, what would you say? Living is what? You might say living is securing a life of comfort and luxury and ease. For others, it might be maximizing the thrill, you know, the high of life. Whatever it is, my friends, I'm sorry to say, but there is no joy to be found in these things. Because in all of these things, there's never enough, right? And not only that, there is the ever-present threat of losing these things. And so we get anxious, right? We, we get restless, and, and so there's no joy, there's, there's no peace. And this is why cultivating a joyful life in Christ is so foundational to any conversation we might have about how we use these very things we're talking about. In other words, about stewardship. <laughs> how we manage the things in life, the gifts that God has given us. That's right. It's that time of year again when we talk about stewardship. And it's why this year's stewardship season is entitled Jubilate. To remind us that if we start with the question of stewardship before the question of joy in Christ then we're putting the cart before the horse. If your joy is not complete in Christ, then any exercise you do in stewardship, it will be fraught with anxiety and fear. 
That's because if your joy is not in Christ, then you will only look for joy in those gifts that he gives you rather than in Christ himself. And it is impossible to be a good steward of those gifts when they become for you the carrot that you're never going to catch. So my friends, before you set out to take stock of your time and your talent and your treasure, first take stock of your life with God. Take stock of how you fill in the blank. To me, living is what? And if you discover that you are not experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God, as Dallas Willard puts it, then you must devote yourself to arranging your days so that you are, right? You must reach out to others so as to figure out how you can fill as many moments as possible of your day with a conscious awareness of and surrender to God's loving presence that surrounds you so that you would be able to say, to me, living is Christ. This is what sustained the Apostle Paul. This is what allowed him to be content in all circumstances. This is what allowed him to rejoice even as he sat there in his chains because for Paul, living is Christ. And for you, living is what? What is it? I've been trying to incorporate a certain prayer into my life to help me learn how to better recognize Christ in all things. And it's a prayer that comes from a portion of the well-known St. Patrick's breastplate. And as I've been praying this prayer, I've also developed some rudimentary hand motions to go along with it. Nothing spectacular, mind you, just something to help me remember. So bear with me as I close our time with this prayer. It goes like this. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me. Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in every heart who thinks of me, Christ in every mouth that speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. If this is true, then you, Elate, there is joy to be found in a vibrant life with Christ, a life that sees Christ in all things and rests in that reality. And only when we start here are we ready to talk about stewardship. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise that you invite us to rejoice in your loving presence that surrounds our lives, that, that gives us joy, that provides for us, that is all we need. Teach us a life of contentment. Teach us a life of joy, which means ultimately teach us life with Christ. Help us to arrange our days so that we are being more and more aware, more and more conscious of your loving presence around us and in us. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.